Welcome to another episode of Believing God's Promises, where we don't just read the word, but believe what it says. Thank you guys for joining. I'm excited because we just started a new series last week called Reside. And so for the next six weeks, we're going to be going through this acronym and it comes out of 1 Peter 5, 9. So if you weren't here last week, if you didn't hear the message last week, you can go back and listen to it, but I'm going to recap. Let's talk about 1 Peter 5, 8 through 9. I'm going to read this. Now, this isn't in the NIV. I usually teach out of the NIV, sometimes the NLT, but this is actually out of the Amp. It says, be well balanced, temperate, sober of mind. Be be vigilant and cautious at all times for that enemy of yours, the devil, roams around like a lion roaring in fierce hunger, seeking someone to seize upon and devour. So Peter's telling us that we have an enemy that is coming after us. It's wanting to attack us. He's just waiting and looking and watching for someone that he can literally take down, that he can literally devour. And then Peter gives us some wisdom on what we can do in order to come against him. And so he says, withstand him. Be firm in faith. And then this is where the Amplified Classic Version takes this and it amplifies it. It tells us more. It explains what Peter's trying to say. And it says, against his onset. So before the enemy ever attacks, before we're in the middle of our trial, before we're actually going through that difficult thing that we go through, before that, we need to be firm in our faith. We need to withstand him. And then it explains how we do this. It says, be rooted, established, strong, immovable, and determined. And so it lists out these words, and this is our study. So that is an acronym that I'm using for reside. Now, obviously there's not an E. I added an E not to the scriptures, but to the study. So the E would be enduring because that's another part of something that we can do in order to be prepared ahead of time, right? For our enemy, whenever he comes again. Against us. And so I've taken these words out of the Amplified Classic Version and I've made them into acronym and made them into a Bible study. And so for the next five, six weeks, we're going to be going through this acronym and we're going to be talking about what it looks like to withstand the enemy, to before he attacks us, how we can be prepared before he comes after us, just like a general would prepare his army beforehand. They have training. There's certain things that they learn. There's certain things that they do to prepare for battle. That's what the Lord and that's what Peter is trying to get across to us in this verse. And so today we're going to be talking about the first letter and that is the R, which is rooted. So what does it look like to be rooted in Christ? What does it mean to be rooted in Christ? Whenever I began to study this word out, I found what the Greek word for rooted is in the Bible. The Greek word is ridzeo, and it's a ridzo, and it means to strengthen with roots, to render firm, to fix, establish, to cause a person or a thing to be thoroughly grounded. So when I read that, being thoroughly grounded 
being deep rooted, you almost get this picture of a tree, don't you? And if you know anything about trees, there are trees that are deep rooted and there are trees that are shallow rooted. And there's been times in our lives that we've seen trees that were very shallow rooted. We actually have a neighbor that has a shallow rooted trees. And what happens is instead of it growing deep down in the ground, it grows out. And when it grows out, it actually can cause a lot of damage. These are the trees that when you're walking by them, sometimes you'll see the roots on the top of the grass. And what happens? It kills all of the grass. It kills any flowers. It kills anything that has life that gets in its way. It begins to destroy it. It can mess up foundations of houses. It can destroy anything that gets in its way and it grows outwardly. <clears throat> and Peter is telling us not to be shallow rooted, but to be deep rooted. What does a deep rooted tree look like? I remember whenever we used to live in Joplin, Missouri years ago, and whenever that there was a tornado that hit, it was actually an F5 tornado and it was pretty bad. It, it literally wiped out the whole city. And we had just moved from there not too long um, before it hit. But whenever we found out, we had a lot of friends there that we wanted to bring some supplies to and help and go, um, you know, just donate our time and help our friends out. And so we went into Joplin and I remember driving around and my husband and I were talking about this the other day, how it was literally like you couldn't even the, the, the tornado literally wiped out the whole city and you couldn't even tell where you were at. There were streets that we were very familiar with that we knew our way around before, but because everything was wiped out, you couldn't even see. But then every once in a while, you would see something like a tree just standing in the middle of all the rubble. And you're like, what the heck? How did that make it? Well, you know how it made it? It made it because its roots were so deep that even the worst of the worst storms came. That F5 tornado came through and that tree didn't budge because it was so deeply rooted. And that is what Peter is telling us, that we need to be so rooted in Christ that when the storms of life come, we don't get swayed back and forth. Paul talks about this, and he talks about how if we're infants, if we're babies, if we're not spiritually mature, then when the storms come, we're going to fall over. We're going to fall apart. We're going to be swayed back and forth with the waves. We're going to be deceived by teachings and deceived by the enemy. But if we're deeply rooted in Christ, if we know who we are in Christ, we understand God, we understand his love, we know who we are, we understand what his word says and the truth of his word, and we begin to walk in that and walk in the freedom that Jesus paid for us to have, then we are going to be deep, so deeply rooted, just like that tree, that we are not going to be moved whenever the enemy comes against us. Amen. Amen. So the golden question here is how in the world do we get to that place where we're so deep rooted, where we're so grounded in Christ that we're not swayed, that we're not moved? I want you to think about the disciples. I want you to think about Paul. I want you to take think about all the men and the women in the Bible that went through some of the most horrific deaths that we can't even imagine the kinds of things that they went through because we don't, here in America, we just don't live in that culture where we're we're literally tortured and beaten, flogged and, and killed for our faith. But these guys went through a lot of things. And, and these are the foundational things that they did in order to stay rooted, in order to be rooted in Christ. And these are the things that we can learn from them as well. So let's go through these. The first one is to read, study and meditate on the word. 
And, and I say this a lot as a point because it's so important that we read. We not just read, but we read, we study, and we meditate, meaning we think about the things over and over in our head that the Word of God says. 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17 says, All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for what? For teaching for rebuking, for correcting, and for training in righteousness. Now, we know that in Christ, we are righteous, right? We are righteous in Christ. The instant we say yes to Jesus, we are a new creation. We are now righteous in Christ. But we have to learn to walk that out. And this is what the word does for us. And it says, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So Paul is telling us, hey, if you study the word, if you know the word, then it's going to equip you for every good work. Well, we're talking about when the enemy comes against us, right? We're talking about how whenever we have trials in our life. Well, a lot of times those trials that come in our life are because of the fact that we're stepping out and we're doing what God is calling us to do. And so Paul says, when you step out and whenever you do the things that God is calling you to do, these the word of God is going to equip you for that. It's going to equip you not just for the good, but also for the opposition. It's going to equip you so that you'll know what truths to stand on. See, the enemy, one of his biggest tactics is deceit. He comes in and he deceives us. He tells us lies and he twists the truth. It's not even that he comes in and makes it blatantly obvious. Otherwise, it, we probably wouldn't buy it. But just like Eve, would God really tell you not to eat the apple. He twists things and he makes God look different. He twists the character of God. He twists the words of God. He twists the inner being of God being love, the core of God that is love. He twists all of that enough for us to question who God is and for us to question the things that God's told us and for us to question who we are in Christ. And so we need to be we need to continue to study the word, to read the word, to meditate on the word so that we know when the enemy is trying to deceive us, so that we can be prepared ahead of time, so that whenever we're going through trials and the enemy tells us, oh, well, God's just given up on you or he doesn't love you or whatever it is that he whispers in your ear in the midst of the trial, that you can stand against that because you know the truth of the word of God. And that is why it's so important that we study and we read and we listen learn and we meditate. And, and I'm talking not just, it's great that, that you might read your Bible through in a year and that's amazing, but what are you learning? What are you applying? What truths are you taking out and are you meditating on? Sometimes I get caught up in reading the word and I'm reading so fast that I have to go back and say, wait, God, what are you showing me in this? I want to go backwards. I want to reread this. I want to read piece by piece. I want to understand your heart in this. God, what are you speaking to me today? God, what truth are you trying to show me? God, what revelation are you trying to give me? And whenever we're just reading through to get our check mark for the day, we're most likely likely going to miss that. And again, I'm not against Bible reading plans, reading through in a year or anything like that, but I think sometimes we get so focused. I know I do. I get so focused on the mission that I forget about the things that God's trying to show me along the way. Amen. All right. Number two, the second thing we can do is to pray continually. Now I want to read this. I want you to hear where this is, where Paul says this. Listen, it says it's first Thessalonians 17 through 18. And it says, rejoice always. Okay. That's the first thing he tells us. Rejoice always pray continually. 
Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. See, this is so good. I love how Paul puts pray continually. He sandwiches in it. He sandwiches it in between rejoice always and give thanks in all circumstances. Isn't that amazing? I, I didn't even realize that until this morning when I was looking over this. So I was like, whoa, that's crazy that he puts to pray continually in between these two things that have to do with joy, that have to do with being grateful, that have to do with being thankful. Amen. So what do you think Paul is trying to tell us in this? He's saying we need to learn to pray continually. And that starts with a grateful heart. That that starts with thanking God. That starts with being uh, grateful for the things that God has done in our life, for rejoicing in the good things that God has done, for standing on the good things that God has done. Just like David, what did David do when he was going towards the battle line, when he was about to fight Goliath, when all the odds were against him, when all the people were against him? What did he do? He recounted the things of the past where God had been faithful. And he said, my God, my God, he helped me kill the lion and the bear. And he's going to help me kill this Philistine, this uncircumcised Philistine. And I love that. We can learn from that whenever we know that we are going to be, we know, we know that we know that we're going to have trials in our life, don't we? Jesus tells us that in this world, we will have trouble. We're going to have trials. This is something that we can do ahead of time to prepare ahead of time to prepare. And when we know that those trials are coming at us and that they're coming for us, the best thing that we can do is learn to live in a heart posture of continuous gratitude and thankfulness and constantly speaking to God, you know, praying, praying people get so confused. Yes, God is reverent and he is holy. And, and there's a respect that we have for him. And there are times that we kneel before him and we put bow our head and we praise him and we, and we thank him and we are humbled before him and we come before him and, and we pray with that posture. But then there are those other times that God, he is a relational God. He wants us to talk to him continuously. He wants us to constantly be in communication with him. He he wants to hear where you're at. He already knows where you're at, but he wants to hear where you're at and the things that you struggle with. But he also wants to hear that you're grateful for the things that he's done. And so I've made it a part of my life that I continually talk to the Lord throughout my day. I mean, sometimes I, I really sound like a crazy person. I'll be talking to myself in my room. My kids are like, are you on the phone? I'm like, oh no, it's just me and Holly or, you know, we're just hanging out. We're just talking and whatever. And they're like, oh, okay, mom. <laughs> but it's true. God loves that. I believe he loves that. He loves when we just have conversation with him. When we talk to him while we're going to the store, when we thank him, God, thank you for giving me that good deal on chicken or Lord, thank you that um, you got me to work on time, even though I woke up late. Father, thank you for protecting me and my kids today. Lord, thank you that my husband and I get to go on a date tonight, God. And just like thanking him and being just so excited about the things that he's doing, man, that sets us up for victory in the midst of our trial, doesn't it? Because what is the enemy love. He loves when we're upset. He loves when we're frustrated. He loves when we're gripey and we're complaining. And that is the perfect time for him to launch an attack on us. And because he knows that if we're in that place, then it's going to be easier to completely dismantle us, isn't it? And so I want to encourage you guys to continuously pray, continuously thank God, continuously be grateful and rejoice in the things that he has done in your life. Amen. All right. Number three, 
Now, this is probably the most practical thing that we can do. And it's as simple as this, is take care of yourself. Take care of yourself. Now, I used a scripture that's specifically talking about sexual immorality, but we can really listen to the words that Paul is saying and we can get something. We can we can put this in the place and we can really relate it to taking care of ourselves. So 1 Corinthians 16, 19 through 20, it says, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit? By the way, that doesn't mean you can't get your ears pierced or your nose pierced. That's not what Paul is saying. Okay, just to clarify, in case anybody was confused. That is not what that's saying. It says, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you? Holy Spirit lives in us. He is deposited into us. That's what Paul talks about in Ephesians. He says that he is a deposit. The Holy Spirit is living in us. If we have said yes to Jesus, if we confess with our mouth and we believe in our heart that Jesus died and that he was raised from the dead, then we are a new creation and the Holy Spirit is given to us as a deposit. He lives inside of us. This is what Paul is saying. Who is in you, whom you have received from God. You are not your own. You were bought at a price. And that's not a condemning statement. That's an, an amen statement. Amen. That's a you were bought with a price. It was a big price that Jesus paid for us. But you know what? That is amazing that he did that. Amen. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Now, again, we need to stop looking at scripture as condemning. I think that's our number one thing is, oh, this is telling us that we can't do anything. You know, we have to walk the straight line. And if we don't, God's not going to love us. That's not what this is saying. That is not what this is saying at all. What Paul is trying to get across to the people is that they need to respect their bodies because God lives in them. And again, he's talking about sexual immorality. We're talking about self-care, okay? Which can relate, right? So this could be anything, but I'm talking about whenever I say take care of yourself, I'm saying respect yourself enough and be grateful that God is in you and that he's living in you and that he's got a plan and a purpose for your life. So you're going to take care of yourself by eating well, by sleeping enough, by not over committing to things, by not wearing yourself out, by taking care of your body, by moving or exercising, you know, go for a walk every once in a while, get out. And, and I'm not trying to be all like, like fitness gal 101, but like I am passionate about fitness and I am passionate about health because the way that my father died, the cancer that he had, when I did research on it, sadly, it just broke my heart when I was reading it that the cancer that he had, a lot of it was based on the things that he did. So he was a smoker and he didn't eat well and he didn't exercise. I love my dad and, and I want to honor him. But when I want to, I want to get this point across to you guys that what God showed me in that is at that time in my life, I was a smoker and I didn't eat well and I didn't take care of my body. And God gave me this revelation of like, Carrie, I've called you to do so many great things. And will you lay that down for me? Are you willing to lay down the the worldly desires really of, of all of those things. Are you willing to lay those down and to eat healthy and to get the right amount of sleep and to stop stressing your body where it's barely hanging on to stop worrying so much, to stop um, staying busy so much, to stop doing all the things that I was doing. He was like, Carrie, are you willing to lay all of that down so that I can use you and that you will be healthy and I can use you for years to come. And I really, I really was convicted of that. And that's, that's when I began my health journey. That was 17 years ago. And 
you know, I don't have like the body that I probably want and all that, but you know what? I know that I'm healthy and I know that I take care of myself. And I do that because I understand God's love for me. I understand that God is in me again. It's not a condemning thing. It's a thing that if the enemy is going to attack me, the best time for him to do it is when I'm hangry, when I haven't slept, when I've uh, not been exercising, whenever I've been sick, right? That's when the enemy comes in and he launches these attacks because he knows that we're vulnerable. He knows that it's harder for us to fight. He knows that mentally we just can't sometimes because we're so worn out. And this last two weeks, honestly, I've had so many things and, and there's grace. There are great, there's grace in our life for certain times where we're, we're really quote unquote busy. I don't even like the word busy. I like the word productive because it just doesn't sound as bad, does it? But there are times in our life, like for me, the last two weeks, I've had a lot of things. I've had two groups launch. I've had, uh, we had our annual board meeting for our ministry. We just had a lot of things. And literally this week I was out every single night of the week. And I was like, Lord, I don't, I don't know if I can keep doing this. And he said, Carrie, you don't have to. That's what grace is for. So I believe that there is grace in our life for times like that. But those times shouldn't be always. And if your schedule is so packed that you never have time to rest, that you never have time to carve out, to go on a hike or go on a walk or spend time with your friend or spend time with your husband or, or whatever that is, then maybe it's time to rearrange your schedule. And maybe it's time to cut out some things that aren't so fruitful, that aren't so productive, that aren't God's fruit bearing in your life. Amen. And again, I'm not trying to tell you guys how to live, but I'm telling you that these things in our lives, what we eat, how we take care of our body, the rest that we get, having Sabbath, that's so important. That's still a struggle of mine. But intentionally having a day of Sabbath is so important. And no, it does not have to be on Sunday. And no, it does not have to be on Saturday. It does not, it is, it is a concept. We should constantly be in Sabbath and rest in God. Amen. But then there's also a day set aside, pick a day out of the week and just commit to just being and hanging out and having fun and doing something. And when we do these things, we're rejuvenated. It's actually interesting because I remember years ago, I was actually trying to finish up my book that I wrote, the identity book. And I was working morning to evening, like long hours. And I remember my husband saying, why don't you just put it down for the night and rest? Because when you rest, you're going to wake up in the morning and, and you're going to be able to finish. And I was so stubborn back then. I was like, no, I just got to push through. I just, you know, I almost felt like it was holier. Sometimes we think it's holier to push through. Sometimes we think that God just is like, oh, wow, I'm so proud of her. It's pride is really what it is. But we think that God's up there cheering us on, pushing through and pushing our bodies to where we're literally falling apart. And that's not, that's not it at all. We never saw that with Jesus. He would, he would slip away from crowds and go and spend time with the father. He got what he needed and he was constantly pouring out. So he understood the importance of taking care of himself so that he could help others. Amen. And I think he also understood the importance of taking care of himself. So when the enemy came, he was able to fight against the enemy because he was fed and he was, he had been rested. He had taken care of himself. They obviously got a lot of exercise back there because they walked everywhere. I believe I looked it up as like Jesus walked three, 30,000 uh, steps a day at least or something. I thought that was really cool. I was like, we need to be like Jesus and work 30, walk 30,000 steps a day. But my point is, 
is that we need to learn to have a little bit better self-care. We need to eat when we need to eat. We need to eat a decently balanced meal. It doesn't mean that you have to eat, you know, salads all day, but I mean, nourish your body, give your body the things that it needs. Drink plenty of water, go on walks or get exercise, have fun, find time to go out and spend with your loved ones and, and people that you care about. And, and in that, when the enemy comes against us, we'll be prepared because we won't be worn out. Amen. 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 So I'm going to pray for you guys. I hope this was encouraging for you guys today. I will see you next Friday, 1 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. Amen. So Father, I just thank you for everyone that is watching and everyone that is going to watch God. And I thank you that, um, God, you've called us to be rooted in your son, Jesus, God. And I just ask that you give us a deeper revelation of what that looks like, God. I ask that you help all of my brothers and sisters online, God, to really grasp hold of some of these concepts, God, and start walking in them, God. Give them the grace to do what you're calling them to do, God, so that they can be the light of the world, God, so that they could go out and shine for you, Father, so that they can have the energy to be able to get through the day and not be exhausted. Yeah, God, I just feel like there's people here that have been watching that you've just been exhausted. I mean, beyond exhausted. And I'm telling you, some of these things I've talked about, about self-care, about spending time with the Lord, about being grateful, all of these things are going to help change the that. It's, it's not a condition that you have. It's just that the enemy is trying to convince you that you're exhausted. That's just how you're going to live. And that's so far from the truth. So I want to encourage you to stand on the truth of the word of God and begin to spend more time with God, be more grateful, take care of your body, eat healthy, uh, exercise, do all the things that we talked about. And, and God is going to bring you out of this. So Father, I just thank you for whoever that is that's watching God. I thank you that exhaustion is broken over them in the name of Jesus, God, and that you have given them the tools be able to walk in the freedom that you've paid for them to have. God, I just thank you, God, for what you're doing. God, in the body of Christ, God, and how you're continuously uh, teaching and equipping and training us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.